Take your Bibles. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Start reading in verse 3 this morning. I hope this message this morning will get you excited about something. You know, it's hard to interest people these days, get them, get them interested in things, because we live in a society that is a very um, entertained society. I mean, you know, with all, you got a zillion TV stations out there, and they're always trying to take it to that next level to entertain people, to keep them in suspense, to make them want to come back and watch these shows over and over again, season after season after season. And, uh, you know, they're professionals. I mean, they're good at this stuff. And it's not an easy thing to entertain people anymore. Like, it's hard to scare people these days. You know, they used to be able to scare people with Frankenstein, you know, a real tall guy with a flat head that, you know, when he threw a little girl in the water, that was just too horrifying to show on TV. They had to cut that out from the movie. And, you know, you know but now, it's just, it gets harder and harder and harder all the time. But really, the things in the Bible, I mean, I think the most interesting things in the world. And we're going to look at something this morning that's so interesting that literally, the Bible says that the angels, I mean, it's got the angels' interest. It's something that they look at and are just in wonder about and want to know more about it. And we're going to look at that today, at what it is that angels are excited about. And it ought to really excite us. And the thing that they're excited about that they don't completely know and understand, I don't believe we do either. And I hope to maybe at least get you excited about it a little bit today. But First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be the Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice abundant mercy. Okay, I want you to think about that verse in the Bible that says, you know, it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Okay, these are key things to remember uh, when I'm trying to explain some things to you, where I'm going to, we're going to introduce you to something. I don't you know, we're going to be talking about angels a lot. And a lot of people have a really false perception when it comes to angels, thanks to places like Hollywood and stuff. And so, uh, remember these key things, because some of the stuff I'm going to tell you about angels, you probably aren't going to really like it when you hear it. It's definitely not going to go with most of what we naturally think about angels. But remember that verse, because it's going to be important. But verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice too, you know, we're not, we don't have time to go into detail on all these things, but it's talking a lot about, you know, the last time at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This event we're going to be looking at that I believe has the angels interested is the rapture, okay? I believe they are very interested in the rapture, and there's a reason for that. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. But before we can kind of explain the reasoning, We've got to kind of look at the angels a little bit. We need to take a close look at the angels and see why it interests them so much. And what what it is about 
the rapture that has them so curious. And I think when we study angels, it will help us see kind of where their minds are at a little bit and why they are so interested in the rapture. We're interested in the rapture because we want to get out of this world, right? I mean, we're anxious to get out of this world and just not have to deal with sin and all the junk in this world anymore. We want to see Christ. But there is a reason that they are especially interested about that. Verse 8, "...whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see Him not, yet believing..." Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We just sang about that. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Not only does our salvation, and I believe the completion of our salvation takes place at the rapture when our bodies are saved, not going to go into all that. We've preached on that before. But I mean, this is something that the Old Testament prophets, they looked at and were just intrigued by it. Interested in it. They didn't understand it. You know, the salvation that comes to the Gentiles. We'll talk a little bit about that. That was something they knew about. They knew that somehow salvation was going to come to the Gentiles. They wrote those things because God told them to write those verses about it, but they didn't understand it. They didn't get it. And there's a reason for that. And it, there's a reason, it, the same reason I believe it interests the angels, it interested the prophets also. I mean, what we have experienced getting saved as Gentiles is something they didn't understand, is something they didn't get. And what we are going to experience in the rapture is something they did not understand and they didn't completely get. And I don't believe we completely get what all is going to happen. In the rapture, we don't completely understand it, but the prophets—they I mean—they searched diligently. They wanted to know these things. Uh, verse eleven: Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the Gospel unto you, which, uh, with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Okay, these things that the Old Testament prophets preached about, they didn't understand it. Okay? It was something that was for us. Okay? It was something that we've got, something that we've experienced. You know, they wrote about the sufferings of Christ, yet they did not know, they didn't understand it. They didn't know what they were talking about. When they wrote these things down, they just wrote it down because God told them to. We understand they wrote these things for us. It's you know stuff that we can look back on and show that hey, this was all, it was always God's plan for the Messiah to come and to die for the sins of everyone. That way, salvation could come to the Gentiles. We understand that. But at the same time too, this salvation that we have and the salvation that's to come I believe in the rapture is something that even the angels desire to look into. Now think about it. I mean, you know, how could our salvation be interesting to the angels? They've been around since the creation of the world. All the things that we're interested in and wonder about, like the pre-flood world, they know all about it. They saw every bit of it. All the things about heaven that we wonder about and are curious about, they're there. They see it. They're with Christ. They're with, I mean, they're with God Himself. They've seen all these things. They know it all. They were there when Lucifer fell. 
They were they saw it all, yet the angels that have seen it all, done it all, they find something about us, our salvation, interesting. Why is that? What about us intrigues them? And I believe as we study angels, we can find out why that is. And so the first thing I want us to understand about angels, and I'm going to jump around a lot of scriptures. You know, if you want to follow along or just take notes. But first thing we need to understand about angels is that angels are holy. They're referred to as being holy many times in the Bible. Matthew 25.31 When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. Okay, The angels are going to be involved in the rapture. He's going to send His angels to gather the elect from the four winds of heaven from one end of earth to the other. The angels are going to be there. They're going to be involved in the rapture process. Mark 8.38, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of Me and of My words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when He cometh in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. They're referred to as holy again. Revelation 14.9, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of His indignation, and ye shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So, angels are holy. Understand that about them. Okay, now I know in Hollywood, okay, in all the movies you've seen, you're touched by an angel and all that kind of stuff. You know, they're not holy. They have issues. They're not perfect. You know, okay, angels are holy. Okay? They are, they are perfect. Understand that. Now, obviously there were some that fell. There were some angels that sinned. But the ones that we're talking about didn't. Okay, They did the right thing. They followed after God. And they are holy. They are without sin. And that's hard for us to comprehend. It's hard for us to understand. Okay, And so, you need to understand that about angels. And angels... I believe they don't really understand our unbelief that we struggle with. If you go through the Bible and you look at every time angels would ask a question, it was almost always associated with, you know, they're trying to figure out why these people didn't believe God. For example, in Luke chapter 24, uh, when Jesus, after he had resurrected from the dead, remember the angel asked the question, why seek ye the living among the dead? But they weren't there seeking for the living, were they? They were expecting to find Jesus' body there dead. But it's like the angels didn't understand that no, they think He's still dead. And if you read that story in Mark chapter 8, verse 31, it says, "...and He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again." Jesus told them He was going to die and three days later He was going to rise from the dead. And the angels knew that. And so they're like, why are you seeking living among the dead? Why are you looking for Jesus here? They didn't get it that they didn't believe what Jesus had said. And they don't understand that. And the truth is, we're the same way sometimes. There's a lot of things in the Bible we don't really believe. You know, that we doubt. And angels don't get that. You know why? Because they're holy. Now, we understand unbelief. We understand doubt because we're all sinful. But angels don't get that. In John chapter 20, verse 11, uh, after the same story, one of the questions the angel asked was, "Why weepest thou?" Remember, you know, Mary Magdalene. She's there in the garden. She's weeping. You know, they've taken my master, and she's crying. And the angel, "Why weepest thou?" 
And the angel, he didn't see any need to cry because she should have known that Jesus would die and be raised again three days later. In Matthew 28, verse 6, he said, He is not here, for He is risen as He said. It's like He's reminded. As He said, He told you this was going to happen. So what are you worried about? You know, and it's funny, we do, we worry about things all the time that God said was going to happen. In the world you shall have tribulation. And yet when we have tribulation, what's going on? What's the Lord doing? He said that was going to happen. But you know, he said he's going to take care of you. But boy, we sure struggle with that sometimes. And angels don't get it. In uh, Genesis chapter 21, Hagar, after she had gotten cast out by Sarah, she's thinking that her child is going to die. And if you read that story in Genesis chapter 21, she went and she put the child far away from her and she didn't want to see him die. And she prays, okay, she prays to God for his help. And then an angel comes along and says, you know, what aileth thee? What's wrong with you? I think my child's going to die. You know, and it looked like he was going to die. I've just been cast out by my by Sarah. And, but the angel, I think he's thinking, hey, don't you realize you just prayed to God? So why are you? You, know, you should be okay now. <laughs> you know, and boy, if it was only that easy for us, you know, if we were having a problem, if we were struggling, and if we could just say, hey, we could just pray, and then boom, be over it. But we're not like that, are we? You know why? Because we don't have very much faith. And angels don't get that. Angels don't understand our lack of faith. You and I do. We can be sympathetic to each other because we're not holy. Because we're sinful. But angels aren't like that. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, right after Jesus has ascended to heaven and He has told them to go into all the world and preach the Gospel, you see, angels, they obey just like that. They don't question. They just obey just like that. We question, we doubt, because we're not holy. They are holy. And the angels, they look at everybody standing there just staring after Jesus has ascended into heaven and a cloud receives them out of their sight. If I would have been there for that, seeing Jesus ascend into heaven in a cloud, you know, He disappears in a cloud, I think I would have probably been standing there for a while with my mouth hanging open. But the angel, I think that's pretty natural. I think we all can understand that, right? Can we as sinners all agree that that's pretty understandable? But the angels looked at that and they said, why stand ye gazing up into the heaven? Why are you doing Hey, He gave you something to do. The same Jesus which is taken from you will come back in like manners you have seen Him go into heaven. Hey, why are we stand around? He's given you something to do. But yet, you know, you know he, He's going to come back. Well, yeah, 2,000 years later, for us, you know, it's been over, it's been almost 2,000 years now. And for us as sinners, as unholy people, we struggle with that. You know, why is the Lord delaying His coming? What's going on? But the truth is, we've been given a command, we've been given a commission, and we need to get busy doing that very thing. And angels, they see us, you know, standing around gazing into heaven, not being obedient. They don't get it. Why? Because they are holy. And we are sinful. And so understand that because they are holy, and because we are sinful, and this is the part you're probably not going to like about angels. Okay? An angel would have no problem with, with killing you in a heartbeat. I mean, an angel, if God wanted to, it would kill you so fast. Okay? Now listen, if I, I wouldn't want to have the job of being the execution of an executioner. I wouldn't enjoy that. Okay? If even if somebody deserved to die, I knew they needed to, I would I would hesitate. I wouldn't want to do it. Even if somebody broke in my house, okay, while I you know fully intend to 
you know, shoot them. That's my plan. I think it'd be kind of hard, even if even though they deserve it. I would struggle doing that. You know, one sinner to another, I would have a hard time being the guy to, you know, pull the lever on the trap door, you know, when the guy's gonna get hung. I'd have a hard time with that. I'd have a hard time being the guy in the firing squad. You know why? Because that's one sinner shooting another sinner. But let me tell you, an angel, if it needed to, it would kill you so fast and it wouldn't think a thing about it. And it wouldn't feel bad one bit. Now, why do you say that? Well, we're going to look at some Scriptures real quick. Matthew 18, verse 10. I love what this says here. And you might think I'm reading into this a little bit, but as we look at some more verses, I think you will come to the conclusion I'm right in what I think this verse means. In Matthew 18, verse 10, Jesus has told them about you know not offending little children. You know, You're better for to hang a millstone around your neck and be cast in the sea. You're better off killing yourself than offending a little child. That's what God said. And there's a reason. And, there, and then listen to what He says here in Matthew 18.10. He said, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels, their angels do always behold the face of My Father which is in heaven. Their angels. Kids, they have angels. And they're beholding the face of His Father. You see, they obey God. They take commands from God. And if you do something that's hurting a child, their angel, the angels are looking at God. It's kind of like I've used this illustration before with kids. All right, I remember experiencing this a few times growing up. I've seen this with my kids, where maybe the parents will be present, and one of the kids will do something that's just a no-no. And a lot of times, when that happens, what do the other kids all do? They look at mom and dad. Now, why do they do that? They're wanting to see their face. You know, they know that something's about to happen. They know it's not going to be good because that's a big no-no. And offending children is a big no-no with God. And the angels, they're always watching His face. And if God just gave the smallest sign, just the littlest inkling to just go ahead, those angels would come and they would snuff us out so fast that it wouldn't even be funny. Because we deserve it. You see, it's of the Lord's mercies we're not consumed. You know how many things we do on a regular basis that we deserve to die for? And angels would have no problem killing us for those things. Now, they're not doing it all the time, not because of their mercy, but because of God's mercy. But if God said, go ahead, they would come and they would kill you. They would do whatever. They would, I mean, they would have no problem doing it because they're holy. And something that is holy and something that is pure and righteous has no problem snuffing out something that is just dirty, rotten, and low down like we are. Just like we have no problem with you know squashing a bug, you know killing a maggot. Okay, an angel has no problem killing us because they're holy, we're not. Okay, and if you think I'm reading into that, they're looking at God. And if God did, if God just gave him a little nod they would come and kill us so fast it would make our heads swim. And then, Matthew 26, verse 50, Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? They came, Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took Him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out His hand and drew His sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword." 
Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father and He shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? One prayer. And I've got an army of angels right there and they could kill these soldiers so fast. Okay, twelve legions. What, what could twelve legions of angels do? Well, we're going to look and see what one angel does here in just a little bit. And it ought to scare, it'll, it'll scare you a little bit. But 2 Samuel... Or let's go to Numbers chapter 23, verse 23, just real quickly. So before we get to where they're actually killing people. So far, the angels haven't killed anybody yet. Okay? In Luke 22, verse 33, it says, And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in his way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field, and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. And if you remember the story of Balaam and the donkey, Balaam was on the way to go somewhere. God didn't want him to go. And God was sent an angel to kill Balaam. And there's an angel. He had a sword drawn in his hand. And Balaam couldn't even see him. I mean, that's kind of cruel. You know, like shooting somebody in the back. That's cruel. We shouldn't do that, right? Well, this angel was going to kill Balaam while invisible. Alright, that's fighting even dirtier. Okay? But listen, Balaam deserved it. He was disobeying God. And he had that sword drawn in his hand because he fully intended to use it. And the donkey saved Balaam's life. And Balaam finally sees what's going on. He starts beating the donkey, and God's merciful, and the donkey stuck. God loosed his tongue. He says he loosed his tongue. I don't believe an angel possessed this donkey. God allowed the donkey to actually speak, to say what was in his mind. He's like, Why are you hitting me? I'm saving your life. <laughs> if there was a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. You know, he's arguing, he's arguing back with his donkey. And then all of a sudden, God allows him to see that angel and he realizes, man, this donkey just saved my life. That angel was going to kill him. Because angels, they're mean. Listen, I know in Hollywood, every time you see angels, they're all so nice and sweet looking. You know, there's always, you know, a combination of male and female, all racially diverse, you know, there together just being super sweet. But first of all, they're all men angels and they're as mean as all get out. Okay? <laughs> and they they will they will kill you in a heartbeat. I know, I know on uh, the big movie that came out where the kids saw the angels, uh, I forgot what it's called, Heaven is for real. You know, when he was in heaven he saw the angels, you know, you can hear all the male and female uh, angels, you know, singing and uh, whenever he requested the song, you know, we will rock you. They all did the little laughter and stuff. But you know, angels in real life, they probably would have tried to kill him for picking a rock and roll song for them to say. I mean, they're they're holy, okay? Now you and I, we think it's it's cute, it's innocent because we're fellow sinners. Okay, but angels are not like that. I'm sorry, Hollywood has no idea what they're talking about. They they will kill you so fast. And then look at this next passage. We're gonna look at and. Second uh, Samuel chapter twenty-four verse fifteen. It said, "The Lord sent a pestilence unto Israel from the morning even to the time appointed, and there died of the people from Dan even to Beersheba seventy thousand men." And this pestilence we'll see is brought on by an angel. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the angel wasn't done. Okay, seventy thousand people have already died. And now this angel, he's got a sword sword. He's going to Jerusalem to destroy. This is Jerusalem. This is the chosen city. I mean, this is God's city. This is God's people. But David had sinned. 
David had numbered the people, and this angel, he's he's not hesitating. He's getting ready to go and wipe out Jerusalem. And then in verse uh, 16, it said, he said uh, he, verse 16, the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it. The Lord repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed the people, it is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord is by the threshing place of Arana the Jebusite. And David spake unto the Lord when he saw the angel that smote the people and said, Lo, I have sinned and done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, be against me and against my father's house. An angel through a pestilence killed 70,000 people and wasn't done. He, he was ready to continue. And God was merciful. God stopped him. You never see angels being merciful in the Bible. Yet you see God being merciful. I mean, if God told the angels to just come down and wipe out all of mankind, they would do it and have no problem doing it. 70,000 that it killed right there. One angel. And then look in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians an hundred fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. Hundred and eighty five thousand. The angel of the Lord did. One angel killed a hundred and eighty five thousand. He did it at night in their sleep. Why? Because angels are holy. See, we don't understand that holy because of holiness, alright, and our sin. So we deserve to be consumed. We deserve to die. We look at these things. We think that's harsh. We think God's being mean. No, God is not being mean. Well, yesterday at youth conference, the preacher he was reading the story about Elisha when forty-two little children were mocking the prophet. Go up, thou bald head, mocking the prophet. And unfortunately, I wish he hadn't done this, but he was trying to explain how wait, these weren't little these weren't little kids. Because sometimes in the Bible it refers to children as adults, but it says little children. That means they weren't full grown. So at best, maybe teenagers. These were not full grown. These were little children, and two bears killed 42 of them because they mocked the prophet. Oh, that's mean. Like, it's not cruel if they were in their 20s, but it's too cruel if they were little kids. Let me tell you, little kids are sinners too. And. We deserve it. And when it doesn't happen, okay, it's of God's mercies. We need to understand that. And angels, they have no problem okay, with doing that. We deserve it. So having said all this about the angels, what is it about our salvation that they want to see? And so to understand what the angels wanted to know, let's look at what some of the prophets said. Because the Bible said to the prophets, Desire to look into this. Okay? And I believe the prophets were very curious about salvation coming to the Gentiles. Go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. It says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from Him. He was despised and we have seen Him not. 
Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. Okay, now, this is a piece of cake for us to understand, isn't it? Because we know the story of Jesus Christ. But this hadn't happened yet. They, they didn't understand it. They didn't get... They didn't get all of this. And after he says all this about Jesus, and we don't have time to go through the whole chapter, but it is just so crystal clear to us that it's talking about Jesus, Isaiah didn't have a clue what he's writing about. He was interested. He wondered about it. And then in chapter 54, verse 1, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing. Cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy stakes, for thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Now when you read that right all by itself, what in the world is that talking about? And you know what? They were interested. Isaiah want to know what in the world that was talking about. But you know what? In Galatians chapter 4, we find out exactly what that's talking about. But Isaiah didn't have that. Go to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 27. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 27 says, For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she with hath and husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of the promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him, that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now. So basically what this is all saying, we don't have time to go into all the Scriptures behind it, but God put all over in the Old Testament how He was going to send a Messiah and He was going to die for the sins of men. And through Him, the Gentiles were going to be able to be saved. Okay? And the prophets, they didn't understand that. The Gentiles being able to be saved. That didn't make sense to them. They didn't understand how a people as wicked as the Gentiles could be saved. I mean, they, had, they didn't follow the law of God. They didn't keep the commandments. They didn't do the sacrifices. They were not, they were not of the right lineage. They weren't of the right family. They were, you know, salvation or the, you know, the Bible, it was all, it was all for the Jews. Okay? They did not understand how people is wicked. People who weren't looking for salvation. People who weren't looking for righteousness. They only understood the Old Testament law. And salvation by the law makes sense. See, being good to get to heaven, that makes sense, doesn't it? Everybody gets that. That's what most people think, right? And they knew the Old Testament law that God gave. This is how you get to heaven. But yet, one thing that the reason God gave that Old Testament law was to teach them, hey, there's none righteous, no, not one. Okay, And it took them a long time to figure that out. But these people, they understood that Old Testament law that really had nothing for the Gentiles in there. There was nothing for the Gentiles. and But yet, God prophesied about salvation coming to the Gentiles and they didn't get it. We didn't follow the laws. We weren't even from the right family. And you can't help the family that you come from, can you? And they didn't understand it. 
But God the whole time knew that, hey, this law that I'm giving you is to show you and to show man that all are sinners. Both Jews and Gentiles, you're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And I'm going to have to send my son to die and pay for your sins. But when he pays for your sins, he's not just paying for the sins of the Jews. He's going to be paying for the sins of the whole world because you are all sinners. God has concluded them all in unrighteousness. Jews and Gentiles alike, we are all sinners. And those Old Testament prophets, they didn't get that. They understand that. And angels, they also understood the law. Okay? Yeah. Keep those commandments. Yeah, do all those things. They got that. They obey God. They do everything they're supposed to do. They don't have that sin nature that you and I have. And they see us breaking these laws all the time. They saw the people, yeah, they broke God's law. God said to kill them. Let's go kill them. They would do it. They had no problem with that because that's the law. That's what's supposed to happen. And they, while the prophets did not understand salvation coming to the Gentiles, they did believe it, but they believed it by faith. Okay, just like there are things that we believe, even though we don't understand, we believe it by faith. We don't get everything about salvation, but angels can easily understand the law because they are holy. They have no problem enforcing a law that they're keeping. Just like us. We're real good at being real critical on people that don't obey the things that we obey. Aren't we? I mean, it's real easy for us to look down at all those people that aren't at church today. Why? Because we're at church today. <laughs> and the angels, they obey all God's laws, so they have no problem with enforcing that. You know, so... Understand that about angels. And so today, because we have the New Testament, we know the answers for how Christ saved us. Okay? Well, he saved us on the cross. Okay? We know the answers. You know, how, hey, how can you be cleansed from your sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Okay? We know that. We know the answers, but we know it by faith. We don't totally understand it, do we? We don't, we can't completely understand it. We cannot completely fathom it. You know, why did Jesus save us? Okay? His love. Okay, while angels are holy and God's holy, one thing that separates God from the angels is that mercy and that love that God has. The angels don't have that like God does. And so we understand why He saved us. It's because of His love, because of His grace. But what we do not, but what we don't understand, what we can't possibly comprehend, is that love of God that He has for us. We can't possibly comprehend the price He paid on Calvary. We just believe it by faith. I don't understand God's love, but I believe it. Okay, I can. There's not a person out there that I can't look at and say, God, I don't know if God loves you. I can tell anyone God loves you. Now I can look at some people and I can't figure out why God would love them, but I know He does because He said He wouldn't His word. But I just believe it by faith. And what I believe the angels are interested in, it's not the salvation of the soul, because there's already many souls in heaven, aren't there? They've already, you know, they've already met many people whose souls have been saved. They're there in heaven. But I believe what they're interested in is the rapture. Because at the rapture, okay, I believe all the answers to questions are going to be answered at the rapture. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to pick up where we left off. See, and this is why we ought to be interested. This is what ought to get interesting to us and ought to really be making us thinking. Says in verse 13, after he mentions the angels' desire to look into, he said, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
And I do not believe, I don't believe he's talking, I don't believe that happened when God gave the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ is when he returns for us, when he is revealed to us, when he is revealed to the world. And then he says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And here's what's going on today, and this is what's got the angels interested and wondering what's going on. Okay, they understand our souls have been saved, but we have now been called to be holy because God's holy. But let's just admit it, our efforts stink, don't they? To an angel, they see our effort to be holy and they're like, man, it stinks. Okay, These people aren't doing a very good job. We are still sinners. But one of these days when Jesus Christ returns, we are going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. I mean, this corruptible will put on incorruption. This mortal will put on immortality. And the Bible tells us since we have that hope, we have been commanded as believers to try to be like Him. We're supposed to be trying. I hope you're at least trying to be like Christ. I hope you're at least trying to be better. I hope you're making a good effort. But let's just be honest, our efforts compared to angels stink. They look at us and they see us on our way. And God, because He came and was a man and was tempted in all points like as we are, He has mercy. He understands what we're facing. He understands our infirmities that we have. But angels don't. Angels never have been men. And so God, He sees our feeble effort that we make to be holy. He sees us you know, trying our best. And even though it's just terrible, He still has mercy. He still loves us. He still, we can still even please Him with this. And angels the whole time, they're looking at us and thinking, why isn't God just consuming them? Why isn't He killing them? And they understand the salvation of the soul, but this one of the body... I think they're looking at us and thinking, how is God going to take that and turn it into something holy? You see, we're going to struggle with the sin thing for as long as we're in this mortal body. But one of these days, God is going to change it. And it's going to be something holy. And angels are looking at it and thinking, how is He going to do that? How is God going to take that? Let's all look at Brother Vanez right now. And how is God going to take that and make it holy? I don't believe they know. I don't believe they get it. And I don't either. You know, we sing songs like, I'll have a new body. Okay? Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. But, and while it will be new, it's, it's really the same one, but it's a changed one. You know, he, he, he fixes it. How is he going to do that? I have no idea. I have no idea how that's going to work, but it's going to take grace. Just like saving our soul took grace. Changing our vile body into one like His is going to be a miracle that we can't understand. It's one that the angels can't understand. They look at that. They see us in our sinful flesh. They see us failing over and over and over again. They look at our feebleness in disgust and think, how is God going to change them? One of these days, we, are, we have to go pick those people up and carry them to heaven. How, is, how are they going to get into heaven and not ruin it? Because well, when we're in heaven, we're not going to be like this anymore. We're going to be changed. We're going to be, we're going to be new. Even Job, he knew about it, but he didn't understand it. 
He said in Job chapter 19, verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Now that made no sense. My body is going to get destroyed, but in my flesh I'm going to see God? I don't believe Job understood what he was saying. And notice how he specifies here, "...whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me." Even though this body is going to get destroyed. you know, They knew about the promises of God. They knew about the resurrection of the dead. And I'm sure it was a strange thing for them that God said, hey, I'm going to resurrect from the dead one of these days. But they'd been around long enough, they'd seen people die. They'd seen believers die and they watched their bodies rot and deteriorate. But wait a minute, God said in the flesh we're going to see Him. But everybody's bodies are being destroyed. They're all turning to dust. They're getting eaten of worms. And it's going to happen to mine too. But He said, in my flesh I'm going to see Him. And so you know what? I believe it. I don't get it. I believe in the rapture, folks, but I don't get it. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm as excited as all get out about it. I'm as interested as all get out about it. And not only am I, the angels are interested. The holy angels, they are looking at us and thinking, how is God going to do it? How is God going to change their body? How is God going to do anything with those people? And then Go to verse... 18, for as much as ye know, you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from the vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. God, He was righteous. He was pure. He did this for us. And because we have this blessed hope of one day being like Christ, we have been called to do our best to be like Him. To the very best of our ability. And angels, they look, they watch, they see our feeble attempt to be like Christ. And to beings that are holy, we must be a joke to them. But they know that one day we're going to be like Christ. And that it's going to take grace that we can't comprehend. And it's going to be a miracle beyond anything that has ever been done. Ephesians 2.4 says, "...but God who is rich in mercy..." For His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. We don't know it all yet. It has not all been revealed yet. And in the ages to come, even after the rapture, it's going to take, who knows, maybe all eternity for us to fully comprehend and understand what God did for us when He saved us. It's a miracle. Every time someone gets saved, it's a miracle. It's a miracle of God. We all want to see somebody get raised from the dead. We all want to see somebody's hangnail get cured by some faith healer. We all want to see that kind of stuff. But when somebody gets saved, it's a miracle beyond any of that. And when He takes us to heaven, He changes this vile body. It's a miracle that we can't comprehend and the holy angels themselves can't comprehend. And they're curious about it. I think they're probably anxious for it. Remember how Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour, no, not the angels in heaven? Why did He throw that about the angels in heaven? Because they're probably asking too, hey, Lord, when are you going to 
When are we going to get to do that? I'm anxious to see that. that they're the ones that got to see God you know, create everything. They're the ones that got to see Him raised from the dead. They've got, they've got to see all the miracles and even got to be in on the miracles. And they're all just up there in heaven. When, you know, when are you going to do the big one? <laughs> and it, it's something that we ought to be excited about and looking forward to. And so I hope this has got you excited about what God's doing. If anything, I hope it will help you maybe just get a little glimpse of just how great a salvation we have received as believers. And we ought to be thankful. So with that, let's all stand together right now.